and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast RPG Sites podcast. Joining, uh, my name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining us today is Josh Torres. Hello. Hello. Lots of video games. Lots, lots to talk about today. And Adam Vitali is joining us as well. Hey, it's been a while. I mean, I guess we had the whole game of the year thing, but we all survived that, right? Yeah. If everyone, everyone here is, who has not listened to that, um, obviously some people are listening to this for the first time. Should definitely check that out on our iTunes or anything like that, and, and listen to a great discussion. But um, beyond that, we actually want to uh, kind of let everyone know who's listening to this that we're going to be changing things up going forward with our podcast. In the past, it's been mostly just a monthly affair where we kind of gathered everything up and just went through a very traditional podcast with the you know beginning, middle, and end. But from now on, things are going to be a slightly different. We're going to try to experimenting with the format a bit where we're going to kind of go through the games like we used to, go through the news like we used to, but we're going to cut things up and sort of put them on our YouTube channel um, and let everyone experience it through there, which you can find at youtube.com slash net. So um, if you guys are more interested in listening to the uh, podcast while watching a video and stuff like that, we'll be able to do that from now on. So uh, some people have been seeing our videos pop up on our channel showing like footage from like XCOM 2 most recently and Dragon's Dogma. We'll be starting to do that more often so you guys can enjoy those videos um, with the games that you might be more interested in. So now that we've gotten that out of the way... Um, we've, like I said, we've got a few games to talk about today, and so we're going to go right into it. So, so first off, let's talk about Final Fantasy IX. Now, recently, um, kind of out of nowhere, uh, Square Enix announced that they would be bringing Final Fantasy IX, kind of the last holdout from the old generation, the PlayStation generation, uh, to both the PC and to smartphones. And Adam, that's on Android and iOS right now, is that right? Yep. And that kind of also came out of nowhere, too, is, you know, we kind of, they said they were coming early this year, and then all of a sudden, it's out on phones right now. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and it's crazy, too, because I think it was, like, announced through, I think it was actually leaked ahead of time a little bit on the on a Japanese site, and then they quickly announced that it was going to be um, coming out in the West as well, which obviously is oh, yeah, amazing, yeah. <laughs> too. At the time of this recording, it's not out on Steam yet, right? No. Right. Okay. Just phones. Okay. I've just been saying coming soon, but you've played it, of course, and you've recorded some footage of that, um, which people who are watching on a YouTube channel are watching right now. But t- tell us a little bit about your experience with Final Fantasy IX as it is for the um, Android version. That's the one you're playing, right? Right. So, first of all, Final Fantasy IX—it's kind of one of the—it seems to be one of the more beloved Final Fantasies due to its, you know, its tone and its style, its charm, its characters, um, but. One thing that uh, is a pretty common criticism, I would say, is its speed. It was always uh, a bit slower, kind of a bit more, you know, uh, it it just took a lot more time to get in and out of battles and things like that. So I've been playing the Android version, um, and I've been playing it on my my phone. I'm not using a controller or anything. I'm using the actual phone touchscreen and all that. and obviously, the first thing that pops up is that the the models are all, are all updated, um, and not only just the character models, but some of the key you know models in the various um, you know rooms and scenes as well. And the pre-rendered uh, backgrounds have also they look like they've been touched up a little bit, although there's there's now a little bit of a jar between the models and the background. Yeah, um, imagine they don't really have the source yeah. images anymore, and it's kind of like when you see a movie in Blu-ray, like. 
if you ever seen like Back to the Future, it's kind of it's mm-hmm. like having the foreground yeah. of the characters and the background. It's like it's very jarring. So I can, yeah, I can see that. I think it, it it works well enough for what you know what they could do with what they had. Um, but anyways, what I was getting at is um, just like the the Steam releases of the other Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII. They introduced um, a couple of like cheaters, uh, cheat options for Final Fantasy IX, no. and one of them. There's seven of them, and one of them is like a it's like a double speed zoom fast forward type mode, and this goes for battles, for cutscenes, for everything, for That's full cool. motion yeah. for for full motion scenes, for everything. So basically, everything moves at double speed, including you know including the enemies when you're in a battle. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So if you're it makes it makes if you're replaying the game uh, and you kind of already know all the story beats and you don't really want to listen uh, to, to all the dialogue all the time just for a replay you can just fast forward through some of it and you can also toggle it basically at any time it's just a little button on the screen okay oh, yeah, like that's a, like a key for a frame skip or something like that in an emulator that's pretty yeah cool. yeah and um so uh, I was playing through the Android version of the game, and the the, the cheat options that you have um, that you can access basically at any time are the fast forward, random encounters. You can turn them off completely. Uh, you can make your characters always do uh, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage. Fantastic! <laughs> what is uh, it so, for? So it doesn't actually it doesn't actually change their stats, your character stats. But if you if for whatever reason you're like I just want to get through this boss because I don't like this boss, you can just turn on that modifier and just hit them once and then you win uh <laughs> you're here for the story basically is what it'd be like yeah uh, and then there's also the modifier a modifier for uh putting on trance all the time okay that, that one i actually don't really like because then in every single battle if you have it on you see the the, the trance animation every time for every character yeah so it's, uh, and it, you can always if you if you if you want to cheat making your character super powerful, you might as well just do the the one I just mentioned nine hundred nine thousand damage, and that's more effective and quicker anyway. Um, the other the other cheaters are the ones that you have. I think the I think the Final Fantasy uh, Steam releases are like this as well. Is you, you can you tr- you can turn them on, but then you can't turn them back off. It's like you you switch them on and they're on for, they're on for good. Oh, okay. Well, so you don't have okay. a choice. There's no yeah. toggle for that. Okay. Yeah. One of them is ma- uh, like max money, where you basically just have infinite gill all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, one of them is where whenever you get a new equipment and you equip it, you learn the abilities from it right away. Um, so you don't have to gain AP. And the last one is basically max level max stats. Um, so if you want to just go through the game, just. Uh, nothing hold back and just to experience the story again you just put that on and um that's all you need oh, great and so i mean i've seen some of the shots as well it seems like as you were talking about before that they've been touching up things i've noticed that a lot a lot of the uh text on the uh menus and stuff like that are in a higher quality they're sharper um i'm sure you've noticed that uh, how big is the uh a phone that you're using right now I have a Galaxy S6, just a normal one, so it's a normal what five-inch screen, um, and you know the improved text quality is obvious. And I think it it's you know I know sometimes with these remasters, sometimes the text looks like blurred or smooth, um, and it even it's even if it's ugly. yeah, yeah I, I don't think um, you, I, I get that with this remaster, which is nice. Uh, oh, one thing I should mention while I'm thinking of it, I, this this port and the Steam port maybe as well. Was actually done by Silicon Studio, um, known wow. for yeah, known for uh, Bravely Default. 
Um, oh, okay. Silicon Studio Thailand, so it may not be the exact Bravely Default team, but it's that company. Um, I think they're based in Thailand, anyways. Or, or maybe I'm, I'm totally. I, I, I don't. I don't. Students, I don't know yeah. the specifics, but it, it, Bravely Default or uh, Silicon Studio Thailand is the company who did this port, and maybe the Steam port, which this, which is probably based off of this. Um, but anyway, the text is you know very crisp. It's not the same font as it was before uh, on the PS1 version. Um, and there's nothing odd or funny about like the text or the font they used. It looks very nice. They redid the icons as well. The icons like for different items that you get, different equipment. So those are all cleaned up too. Um, you know, I think they I think they look fine. You know, some people I know I've seen some commentary from other people playing that they 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 kind of throw that it looks too smooth or too clean these icons. But you know, it's just an icon. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and I'm not sure. So, um, in, in Final Fantasy IX, in the PS1 version, when you get into a battle, there's kind of like an introductory sequence that you have to sit through before the battle actually starts. Yeah. Um, yeah like a, a segue or transition. Yeah. Oh, like a, yeah. Like a mini in, in battle cutscene kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that exists in this version, too. You can turn it off. You can turn off, like, um, this, I think they call it, like, battle camera. Where oh, it, you mean like the, when when the camera like moves around, like the characters in yeah. the enemy to kind of zoom it around yeah. to make it yeah. So it it, it gets you in the battle quicker, um, which is always a good thing. Now I don't remember if that was in the original version or not. It totally or was, yeah, it oh, was. I mean, the, the option to turn it off, no, it definitely wasn't. You had to sit through that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so you can turn that off, and it makes it okay. so nice. when you get into battle, it's a lot quicker. So you don't have to sit through that, you know, that that little sequence every time. Um, now, otherwise it's, the uh, the controls I was using the, t- the 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 phone screen, so it's it's a lot like the other Final Fantasy mobile games where um, just a lot of the buttons are are bigger so that you can hit it with your thumb for you know if you need to do an attack or if you want to go uh, use an item or defend or flee or whatever. So it's pretty much along the line, same lines as those. Um, it's not my it's not my favorite. Um, configuration like I'd probably prefer using a controller like on the Steam version or even on this version but the, the menus and the battle interface is basically what you'd see in the other mobile ports okay. um, does it have like a on screen overlay kind of thing with the controller or is it just like it understands where you're pressing at the bottom left of the screen or something like that uh, when you're on the when you're on the fields and on the map uh, the you can basically you can basically slide your finger in any direction, and it it, it the virtual D pad will follow it. So you don't have to be on a certain position to do that. Um, and also there are there are also other buttons on the screen that are that are that are stationary, and that's things like um, the world map. Um, when you're on the world map, um, the save button to call the you call in Final Fantasy IX you call the Moogle with the Moogle flute. Uh, oh. to save your game, mm-hmm. so that's just a button on the that's just a button on the screen now. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think it was a, I think it was just a face button on the PS1 version, but now it's just a button on the screen. You just click it, and it comes. Um, oh yeah, that's right. You just pressed. I forgot about that. You just pressed a button, and you called the Moogle anytime. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. I was yeah. thinking about that. I was like, uh, yeah. And then the <laughs> and then the like the like I mentioned the, the 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 toggles that you can use for the different sheets. Um, the four that you can toggle anytime. That's just another button on the upper left. Where you can basically just click it, it pulls up those sheets, and you can basically just click them and it toggles them on or off. It's really easy. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty darn good port. The only thing against it is if you don't really like touchscreens, well, you probably wouldn't be playing this version anyway. But it does, it does look good news for the, the eventual Steam version, which will probably have all these enhancements, both the UI, uh, the uh, the cheats, the in, the enhanced models, and all that. 
so it seems like it might be a much better game than what the PS1 version was, fixing is some it, of those issues. Is the script uh, exactly the same as the PS1 version, or have they touched it up at all? I think it's exactly wise? the same. I think okay. it's exactly the yeah, same. I don't think they said anything about the script. And, you know, I'm actually kind of curious about the Steam version as well, because they've done some things with the PC versions of, like, Final Fantasy VIII, for example, where they so people were able to mod in like yeah. a score for that oh, game. Oh, interesting. To that. And so wow. my brother was playing that just because he wanted to listen to that instead of the old PlayStation era type of music. So yeah, and it actually really enhanced the experience for them. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see if they do the same thing or you, if you if people have access to the same like tools or at least like the files to be able to do something like that. Just because obviously over time. They've done so many um, versions of the Final Fantasy IX soundtrack, so I'm kind of curious about that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Also, like I, I don't, I don't know this for certain, but like I, I wonder if the Steam version is going to use the the mobile interface that this version has. I know, like for example, the Steam version of Final Fantasy V and VI does. Yeah. They just, but it's people support, have. Though. Yeah, but people have modded those as well. So they just mod in, you know, a more standard Final Fantasy menu like you would remember. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. So, that, so it yeah. doesn't really matter if it. I don't know if it's going to be like that or not, but it'll modders will tweak it however they feel. I think that so far it sounds like the Final Fantasy IX por- uh, job that they've done so far. They've put a lot of effort into it. So I'd be kind of surprised if they fall back to things like that uh, when it seems so obvious that you know the Final Fantasy V. And four were kind of well, not four. It was Final Fantasy five and three or whatever. They built it specifically for uh, a phone, and then yeah. later on brought it to the PC. So I'm sure with all that in mind, it might be a better job all around for them. Yeah. Just one last thing. While most of the game works perfectly well, um, the world map, and this is kind of true for a lot of these RPGs, I think. Though the world map. Um, that is where things kind of chug sometimes. It gets a little bit slower, and it feels like the frame rate's not as smooth. Um, it might have just been I was playing on the Galaxy phone. It might, be, it might work better on other phones, but when I got to the world map, it just, you know, noticeably the performance was just a little bit weaker. Nothing, you know, that, you know, is a deal breaker, but worth noting. It's a pretty recent phone, so, yeah, I'm sure it's going to probably vary from phone to phone, but still, that seems like it... Handling a big game like that. And also, we have to mention, too, uh, yeah, so, you, so you can pick it up on Android and iOS right now. It's on sale. I don't know how long. I mean, as of this recording, it's it's on sale for 20% off. How long is that supposed to be going on? I think until, like, February 21st. Okay. So, so, so like, like, a week or two. <laughs> just, like, a week from the from this yeah. recording. But um, that normally it's priced at $21. Um, so it's down to $17, I think, is, is what it is. Um so that's kind of high, but then, then again, it's a gigantic game that came from an era where it was on multiple discs. So, you know, I think that personally, that's kind of worth it if it's the game that people wanted to try out, especially with the effort that's gone into it. It's not like you're buying it off of PlayStation, like PSN or something like that, and it's just the game. It's obviously that they've done some updates to this, so that should be very interesting. Uh, so, what's the what's the file size on it? I don't remember. I mean, it's actually on. You can actually look it up. I mean, if you want, I can look it up right now. It's it's. Usually... I was just uh, if you knew off the top of your head, I was asking. No, and I don't have my phone near me, so. Oh, I've got it right <laughs> next to you. Uh, give me one quick moment, and I can tell you how big that game is. Is it even available on Android? Why isn't it like the top search result when I do nine? That's kind of weird. Maybe it's on Android, the, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Why am it I doesn't, it maybe it doesn't support your phone. But... That can't be right. I've Android. <laughs> What's the deal? It's not like it's Marshmallow exclusive or something like that, right? Maybe if I do this and look it up this way. Oh, man. How, how far are you in, the, in this uh, port now, Adam? Uh, I just got to the... Uh... So I did the opening sections, and I got to the. Uh, so I got Princess Garnet from the uh, from the castle, and I went through the forest, and now I'm on the world map. So I just kind of cool. did that opening arc. Oh, it is inc- okay. My device is not compatible with this version. <laughs> it's like you're completely right. <laughs> what a bummer! It's apparently 1.76 gigabytes, which is okay. kind of small. I mean, if you look at a game like Heaven Strike Rivals, I think is like 50 or 75. Like uh, it, it's it's that's a gigantic game. Uh, game I think it's like fifty gigabytes or something. I don't know. It was wait for a phone. I think it is. Let me uh, give me one second. Obviously, this is oh. kind of weird doing this uh, while we're recording this, but I wanted to. Um, I just <laughs> this is the first time hearing it. I'm like, wait, why would you ever release a fifty gigabyte like mobile uh, game? Can't be right, right? It's oh, I... oh no, actually, I'm sorry. It's no, that, that can't be right either. Oh well. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's uh. <laughs> Final Fantasy IX is available now. You guys should pick it up. Apparently, it sounds like it's it's a really good port. But we should be hearing about the um, the eventual PC release soon. Square Enix hasn't said anything, but look out for that. Um, but for for what it's worth, sounds great. Um, Adam, do you plan on doing anything more with Final Fantasy IX? Do you plan on playing more of it on the phone, or are you just going to wait for the PC release? I think I'm going to wait for the PC release. Um, you know, like I I doubt I don't have like a super you know, mega rig computer, but for something like Final Fantasy IX, I think I'd just rather have it on the PC where I can use the controller if I want to and all that. And it probably has it all has all the same upgrades, so well, well great. Alright, well thank you very much Adam for your report on Final Fantasy IX for the mobile devices. Thank you. Great. Alright, so um moving right along, now there is another game that we wanted to talk about. Um Oh now. no. <laughs> so this is something near and dear to both me and Josh's hearts. Uh, so is Josh, it? Is it really? So, yes, uh, Josh Torres. <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about now Mega Dimension Neptunia V2. Now, obviously, the biggest concern, people keep reading the title of this, and it reads like Mega Dimension Neptunia 7. I think I did the count. I think it still counts as the seventh game, I believe. Uh, well, I mean, but, let's let's think about it here. And there are the three PS3 games, yep, and then there are the that. three Rebirth remake games on... But those don't uh, yeah, those are obviously Vita. remakes uh, or remasters. Then you've got... I mean, it, these are all mainline, though. So either way, you, you slice it up, I guess it is kind Producer of the Perfection, seventh. Neptunia U, Hyper Devotion. I think it does count as the seventh game that they've made, but... Uh, in any case, this is supposed to be a sequel to Neptunia Victory, which came out on the PlayStation 3 years ago, um, and we actually have a review for that up on RPGsite.net if you are interested in that. But uh, RPG and Neptunia Rebirth 3 is Victory, basically, so you can check that out as well. But um, let's talk about Mega Dimension. Now, that game came out a couple weeks ago as of this recording. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing it. Um, I actually just recently beat it, uh, the regular version, and then I went through New Game Plus. I wanted to try to get the true ending. <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, I just did one playthrough, got the good ending, and then I 
I still need to play New Game Plus for the true ending. Yeah, yeah. I it actually only took me an hour to get to the point that I was just a, a few like a, a few hours ago. So it doesn't take long at all uh, mm-hmm. to get through that. But what I wanted to do is let's talk about this game now. It's obviously the latest release. It's out on the PlayStation Four exclusively. Oh, exclusively, yeah. That's crazy. That's only for the PS Four. Yeah, it's it's obviously the last game that we can really compare this to for um, Idea Factory and Kapalhart is um, Omega Quintet, which came out last year. Game of the Year 2015. I'm sure oh. you guys can go back and listen to the recording. Yeah, uh, obviously. Back. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it's using. It's not, uh, it looks like it's using a lot of the same engine. But um, so let's just kind of go through it. Um, so... I'm, I'm floored that the performance is like great on it. It's a 1080p consistently 60 frames. For them, there are some very minor hitches like in some areas, but I'm 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 stunned that you know it runs perfectly fine. It runs great. It loads into the battles real quickly. You can save the game and load up the game super, like instantly, so there's no problems with that. Um, they've done a great job in bringing that game up. And it's not like it looks bad. Uh, it actually looks no. really good uh, for yeah. a game of that style. I mean, obviously it's not going to fight with Witcher 3 or something like that, but no, I think no, for but what it's worth, it's easily the best look it, in the series has it, been. Yeah, it's, it feels a lot cleaner. The UI changes, the, the new mechanics. They're, like, there are so many new things in this game that just make it in my opinion like so much better than the previous games oh absolutely there's always been for me there's always been qualms with the other games um i mean obviously you're talking about the most recent example that we've got is like handheld handheld games and like remakes of playstation 3 games so and they're all for vita so you know they're barely like launch ps3 uh technology uh when you compare the vita to what it is um, so we've got this PlayStation 4 release. So yeah, it looks great. Um, everything runs, as we said, really smoothly. So let's kind of talk about more about the core mechanics of the game yeah. now. Um, Where do you want to start? There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we, we'll talk about things like story and music later, but for the gameplay itself, now there seems to be um, some changes. Of course, they did not carry over the uh, rebirth systems that were in the other in the rebirth games specifically which was like sort of like a cheat engine where you could adjust the um, mechanics of the game mm-hmm. so for the most part we're kind of sticking with the more traditional rpg so yeah the, the, there's still the scout system in there but it plays a very very minor role compared to those other games yeah which i'm actually i was kind of a little bummed about um just because it seems so like you barely touch it um it's it's like set it and forget it kind of thing so mm-hmm. with the combat itself now the in the past it was the gameplay the combat itself hasn't changed that much so as far as going from like Mach 2 and victory onward it's using obviously a lot of the victory's combat so you're obviously each character has their own set of moves uh set of like you you create a combo basically using different um uh, different combos that you unlock as you level up. So you've got your basic attack, you've got an attack that can break someone's guard, and then you've got your heavy attack for when, you know, once you lower the guard, you can really lay into the enemy. Um, so it seems like there's less control over that. Uh, well, uh, so, like, they're, they're, like, they got rid of the guard gauge overall, like, you know, breaking that guard. It's like multiple life bars now for, like, these things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the, like, in the combos, there's the there's the rush, the power, and the standard. There's yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting in the sense that, like, there, there's only a limited amount of attacks that you can, like, set, and it depends on, like, the weapon that you equip. When you equip a weapon, it has its own set of, like, um, slots available to it. So let's say that's one weapon... weapon? It's okay, per that's weapon. Me. That's, I didn't yeah. 
Um, so, like, say what one weapon only has like can only do like one rush attack after doing its like, initial attack, and but has like three power attacks, or and then like two standard attacks, while another one can completely change that, have like say three on all of those, um, and then in each of these um, moves that you have, they all come with a combo trait, and uh, activating that combo trait. Uh, they'll have a prerequisite for it. Some may have none, some may have all oh, your previous attack was, um, say, standard, and then so you can co- activate this combo trait when you activate this move, and that basically deals uh, bonus damage or critical damage when you use that move because you uh, used the standard attack before it, which was its combo trait and whatnot. And that really adds a, a layer of uh, depth that was uh, really missing you know, in uh, past games in terms of, like, how you uh, set up your uh, standard attacks. Like, uh, in the past games, usually just, like, you know, equip, like, you know, the most powerful ones, depending on your AP and then whatnot. While this one really has you think, it's like, okay, how do I get make the most out of this character's strengths? I know what their animations look like. I know what this move, how many hits this will do. So uh, how do I really maximize this uh, person's damage based on what weapon... Uh, I give them. Yeah, and, on that. and in the past, like that's what I kind of started off this game doing. See, I, I didn't know that there were slots per weapon. I thought it was just like, am I just not doing this right, or am I stuck with this? And if it's per level, so and that's why I explained it. I thought it was like when you leveled up. I mean, when you level up, you do unlock new moves. Yeah, you so do. just to kind of explain people who do have not played the series before, it's that the combo system acts where you're in battle, you run up to an enemy, enemy. And you hit X to engage with them. And at that point, you can press X or cross um, square or um, triangle. Triangle is your rush attacks. Square is your power attacks. And X and cross, I keep saying, I'll say X just because I can't. Say X. X uh, is for your standard attacks. So you can hit X, X, square, square. Kind of like that. Like Just set up a combo. And mm-hmm. you are able to, in, in the menu, um, change up the different uh, attacks that you have for your combo. And some of them have their own elements that they use, like ice attacks, uh, wind attacks, fire attacks, so on, that certain enemies are, of course, weak to, that you want to take advantage of. Now, even if there's not a bar on screen, it still seems like there's enemies where you have to break their guard before you can deal some damage. I know there definitely are some bosses that are Yeah, there, there are definitely bosses, like, because they have this new uh, parts break uh, yeah. mechanic, and then, so there will be some uh, enemies and bosses that have, like, you know, a defense mechanic uh that'll uh, that'll only like open up once you like break a certain guard so you have to be like say say like a, a character has like a cape on you know you yeah. have to like uh, <laughs> you, know uh, you, you, yeah. you have to uh, you know go behind them and uh, keep attacking uh that cape until you know that's off and then now you can do regular damage to them yeah there's like weapons too like some bo- some enemies have like weapons that need mm-hmm. to be broken too right so that's the thing where that it's obviously deviates a little bit from the past games but also um you know they kept with the coupling system which you have your front row of characters and then you have your back row i'm still trying to remember some of this stuff because it seems like i mean it's it's not even been that long since i was covering those games i mean it was just last year that we got rebirth 2 and rebirth 3 in the same year uh uh, in the west and so um obviously you have different roles and you can switch out characters when you want to um, kind of like Final Fantasy X style, where if an enemy's excuse me, a, a party member is getting low on health, they can switch to the party member behind them and um, instantly have uh, a move that they can use. Um, you can't switch, you know, you can't keep switching back and back. You have to like, you have to switch. You have to commit. Stick. So it's a, it's, it's a one one switch per turn. Yeah, you know? and that's and that's yeah. pretty cool. That's always been yeah. like a very cool thing to do, especially when 
you're really stuck. But what I've noticed from this game is that it's not hard. <laughs> it's actually kind of easy when you. I mean, in the beginning of the game, this is kind of. It like, is, yeah. Yeah. When I was talking to you before, I was complaining that it felt difficult. Uh, but once you got over the hump, and this was maybe about like halfway through the game. It suddenly became extremely easy. Uh, I don't know about you. But... Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it, it's the, at a certain point in the game because you're saying, because they give you so many options to empower like uh, you know your uh, party. Yeah, like, like there's so many ways to do a lot of damage. Like uh, a new system in this game, the formation system. Um, essentially, uh, you have uh, certain uh, char- specific characters that can do attacks like uh, up uh, to like one to three other people who can participate either in a line formation, triangle formation, or square formation. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that does a bunch of damage once you get, like, you know, the prerequisites uh, on it. And yeah, it's just... I think, I think once you hit, like, level 30, you're basically getting yeah. one per battle. And so it, it's it's instantly becoming a thing where it's not, even a, it's not even a problem anymore. It's like a cakewalk. Even up to... I mean, I just beat the game, and even the last boss was pretty easy uh yeah all i did was just hammer on special skills and that was it and i got through it pretty simply but that's not to say like there's not more to it than that i mean there's oh, still no, like, it's no. still pretty there, fun i mean there, there's a whole post game that's difficult yeah there's and, like there's super like uh, optional dungeons of course just that the, the main storyline itself isn't difficult but the, if for people who seek greater challenges there are definitely ones that um unlock uh in that post game and um, the rewards are quite substantial, and I don't want to reveal those. But. No, no, there's, there's post-game dungeons. There's dungeons you discover through the scouts, um, mm-hmm. which the scout system is basically like you unlock scouts, and you can send them to uh, certain dungeons, and they just do their own thing. Like, it takes about five or ten minutes. It's kind of like a mobile game, in a way, which is kind of weird, where you just send an enemy off, and they're gone for ten minutes or so, and then they come back and say, hey, I found an item or some money or a new dungeon or a new scout that you can use. Um and there's a bunch of different characters from the series. Even Miss Monochrome, I think, shows up. Which was oh, yeah, weird. that was, was awesome. Like, she's got a new gig, I guess, uh, which is kind of... <laughs> I'm not a big fan of like, how you have to like, kind of babysit scouts. Like Once they're done, you have to actually yeah. go back to the scout menu in town. And it's like, okay, and then now we can do it again. Instead of just like having just like it build up or queue up like what items they found over time. Yeah. And I liked, in, uh, I liked in the other games. So, I guess, but at the same time, I think people always had a problem with that system. I mean, I didn't like it. In, in Victor and I think that it wasn't until like Rebirth 3 which I kind of enjoyed the way they did their system where it's like you're climbing some stairs and you're going through a bunch of dungeons and um, gathering items but it was like a roguelike where if you died during your ascension um, you lost pretty much everything that you had yeah. on your person so that was kind of if I guess people were bummed out about that yeah. they did it's kind of, it's kind of like a half, it's kind of half baked uh, in this for yeah, the scouts totally. It was it was unfortunate, but other than that, I mean, let's let's move on quickly to like. So, how did you feel about the story? Did you think I I, I really like the way they uh, told the tale this time in um, in this in Victory too, because it's it's set up like uh like three different games, like right. It's you have this game and it's like it's like told in three different arcs. Yeah, and um, I particularly like you know all the new characters that showed up. Uh, Uzume uh, was a interesting character. Uh, to focus on in that uh, game, and I really, really like the the new uh, characters, the Shahs. Um, they uh, represent multi, uh, co- like prominent companies in the video game industry. One represents Capcom, one represents Bandai Namco, etc. And the way they played it off of that, it's like uh, they're they're heavily re- referencing it, but in in a way that's like kind of like tasteful but end down to earth in, in a weird 
way. Yeah, yeah, like K Sha, C Sha, and S Sha, uh, which are K is Konami, C is Capcom, and S is Square Enix, uh, with characters that look similar to like what do you expect? Like, um, and that, and that was that was interesting. I mean, it didn't it didn't seem like they leaned too much into that stuff. Like, unless you got like some really deeper meaning, as you said, it was as you said, it was more down to earth. I mean, I guess Sisha they did more with that with with like Bong and all that, but that was other than that, it, it seemed like there were just more characters you'd expect in that party. It was they didn't yeah. too many I, references or anything like that. I mean, um, I also really like that. Like at the second quote-unquote game inside it it's like the, they do a really neat thing where you know it splits out into routes and you, you can uh, focus on a route on like the one of the four god uh, goddesses in the game and i really like that time away from neptune being the main character because it really developed you know each of the other goddesses and like uh see another side of them uh meeting these new characters and their whole dynamic with them um but they're, i'm not saying they're all like super strong and everything but i like that they started delving into that territory and i kind of wish there was more of it because at the time that like neptune stepped back to the spot like, like oh man like <laughs> it, i mean it I, yeah yeah totally. I, I i really i really really appreciate that uh, they, they delved into that even though it's kind of like it was relatively brief it was nice to see it made you want Vert to have her own game finally. That's just mm, what I came yeah. away with it. I was like, man, it'd be great if she actually got one of her own too. Now that everyone else has got one, because <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, she's not my favorite character, of course, but man, um, you know the way that they treat her in that game. It's like, yeah, yeah. How about give her some attention? <laughs> just because yeah. she's been kind of ignored, and uh, I guess that's also having to do with the fan base. I think she's probably the least popular of the goddesses. I mean, that seems pretty easy to say, but. And it's kind of funny now that I think about it, how that game treats her. Uh, there, uh, the, I, I will say, though, that there are obnoxious things about it, especially some of the dungeon designs. Totally, it, yeah. They did it again, right? They recycled dungeons. Um, the, 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 well, I mean, in in one of them, you know, you have this, uh, you know, they have the same dungeon designs from the previous games. But also yeah. there are some new dungeons that are just like, it kind of just felt like, not really realized and some of them were like obnoxious to my eyes like you know some of them are really really vibrant and bright it's like ow <laughs> yeah and i think there's well it's 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 kind of what they did before where it's like they used the final dungeon is the same as a dungeon that was used earlier and i hated that and it's they relied too much on using mazes and platforms and things like that and i was like come on guys i, I really like this game i just think the dungeon design they need to find somebody new to do their dungeons or something just because it, yeah. it's, it's really and like you said, they're using a lot of the dungeons that were in the previous games. Like, it's the PlayStation 4. You guys have clearly put a lot more money into this one. I wish you would just throw out a lot of that yeah. stuff and start over. And that kind of carries over a little bit to the to the soundtrack, too, where they're using some of the same tracks. But they also have some really great, great yeah. music in oh, that game, too. Oh, my oh God. yeah. The new, the, new, the new tracks are like amazing <laughs> holy crap it's like falcon music i was like what is this it's got guitars and like all these instruments that come in a lot of obviously like techno and things like that just like what the series has kind of had in the past yeah but i think it's probably their best soundtrack they've ever done i yeah i'd agree yeah just like, I, I went back I, and listened to it and it was great i, I appreciate that the, that that this entry has they've clearly like stepped it up like they they they, they actually you know put forth like a handful of like a bunch of new assets in it They've uh, really d- done well with the script uh, on yeah. that, and it's just it, it's a it's a wonderful game. I think it's a, it's actually like very fun to play consistently all the way through. Yes. It's just there, there are there are things about it that like still is holding it back, and it's been a problem with the, with the series uh, for quite a while. 
I agree. I think if they worked on those things in the next game that they make, um, I'm excited to see what they'll do because obviously they're not going to make victory three. At least I hope not. Uh, and hopefully start with yeah. something new because I felt like they've kind of found their footing and it's great to see that they're already knowing what to use and what the strengths of the new hardware and now they can kind of move forward with that. So it seems like they're kind of riding high from that. So I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. Uh, ideally, if it was up to me, I'd just say, hey, give the Shahs their own spinoff game and then <laughs> we're good. I mean, I, I, I love those new characters. Yeah, totally. Uh, once again, that's why I loved about Hyper Devotion. They just had a bunch of new characters that they added. Bring more new characters in. Mm-hmm. I think that does the series a lot better. So, right. But yeah, other than that, I mean, we'll have a review up on the site soon. Um, as of this recording, it's not up yet, but we'll have it in the next couple of days. So um, check it out, and I'm sure you'll see some very positive things to be said about that game. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Josh, for talking to me about Mega Dimension Neptunia V2, and thank you, Adam, for putting up with that in the background. <laughs> All right, great, let's move on. <laughs> it's like I just hear him like unmuting his mic, like, what? Oh, are you talking about me? Sorry, I'm too busy playing Dragon Quest. Oh, you're playing games? Well, oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> you're trying to make your way through the series, of course. You're on four, right? Yep. We'll talk about that a little bit later. All right. So, moving on. Uh, now, so. Okay, great. So, Josh, um, you've been playing some Project Cross Zone 2, a sequel to the strategy RPG uh, that came out, I don't know how long ago. It seems like it's been forever since it last came out. I want to say two years ago, maybe three. Yeah, two years ago, which was kind of inspired by Namco Cross Capcom. Now it's on the – obviously, it's it's still on the 3DS, um, Mm -hmm. exclusive to the handheld. So talk to us a little bit about um, how you felt. I mean, you said you're about, what, 20 stages in right now? Yeah, I'm about, I want to say, like, yeah, a little over, a little under 20 stages in, about, I want to say, 14, 15 hours. Uh, and Project Cross Zone 2 is uh, an interesting game because uh, recently I booted up Project Cross Zone 1, making, you know, uh, comparisons and differences and whatnot. I'm really starting to appreciate the, all the mechanical changes they made to this sequel. Um, obviously, the first game was very mixed reception, mostly negative. Because you know it's, it fell into the same pit traps that this crossover series you know has uh, done, like a Namco Cross Capcom. There's a lot of reinforcements. There's very lengthy battles, um, and it just stages uh, could easily take over an hour uh, plus. Um, and it just you know, it, and then there's a lot of like you know high high HP enemies. It just it just it was just tedious to get through. I've heard like people also were upset about the story because characters were just kind of thrown in there all willy nilly and didn't have mm-hmm. any rhyme or reason for being there. Right. Uh, and that's, that's kind of an issue with most crossover games, though. Right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very, very true. Yeah, um, Project Cross Zone Two uh, rectifies a good chunk of those concerns, and maybe a bit too much. Oh. So it's weird. So because they get they give you so many tools in this game that empower players to the point that like it kind of makes battles a little bit too easy and a little bit trivial. But it, it it all depends on like you know whether this is a good thing for players or not because if you think about it if you're making changes for a series that its main concern was that people just wanted to go faster is that really a positive thing? No, it's like I want to get through this game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll run down through some of the major changes from the first Project Cross Zone. Um, one of the major new changes in this game is there's now a shop system, so you have currency. In it uh, to buy, you know, uh, restorative items um, for ailments, HP, 
um, to buy new gear for your, uh, you know, uh, fighters to up their stats. Okay. Um, okay. As someone not very familiar with either of the games, like, what did okay. the first game you use instead of a shop? Like, how do you get items? You just got it through battle. There was no shop. There was no shop in it. You just got it through battle. Like uh, oh. when you defeat an enemy, it drops something. So basically, you're you totally relying on loot for that. Yeah, sort of essentially. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way the battle flows uh, in Project Cross Zone is totally different from Project Cross Zone One because uh, how they deal with the turn system in Project Cross Zone One, uh, it was like in uh, other strategy RPGs in which, like you know. Uh, depending on like the turn speed of a character you know a character gets his turn and then an enemy enemy then a, an ally and then another ally then maybe enemy enemy depends on like you know their inherent speed stat okay all your characters or position them and whatnot and then all the enemies will get their turn and then the next one so it's not about turn speed anymore it's just you know, like uh, in in around every one of your uh, units can, um, you know, take their turn. Okay. So and and obviously, you're all working in pairs, right? So how how have they done with the pairing system um, this time? I mean, obviously that's what the the whole game, the first game, is about having like uh, these pairs go out. Have they done anything to the combat itself to make it more interesting? Okay. So pair pairings wise, um, I'll get to combat in a little bit after this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with the pairings, it's Interesting what they did. In some ways, I, I, I'm not a fan of. Some ways, I am. So in this game, um, they switched it around. They uh, like say uh, Dante from Devil May Cry and Dimitri Maximoff from Dark Stalkers are no longer paired up. Uh, it's now with their respective series. Uh, Dante uh, and Virgil are now paired up, and Dimitri is now paired off with uh, Morgan. Um, but the the interesting thing about this is that sometimes it's not from like the same period. Like in uh, Project Cross Zone, it's Dante from Devil May Cry One with uh, Virgil from Devil, uh, Devil May Cry Three. <laughs> That's so, so weird. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's it's weird. like uh, the the interesting thing about like the, most of these pairs like now is like the it's very very the the crossover between them is very time travel time based. It's not about oh I'm like in a new world. It's like oh I recognize you but you're from a different time period. So that makes for interesting interactions on that. Oh okay, they lean they lean into that stuff. Okay. That makes yeah. that makes me feel better about it. Uh-huh. Um like for example also like uh Chris and Jill are now paired up uh in the Resident Evil Revelations and then but Leon from Resident Evil 6, you know, meets them. And then the the it's oh. like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it's weird. it's crazy. Uh, as for the battles, the battle system is, uh, it's mostly the same, but there are a lot of tweaks to it. So in Project Cross Zone 1, like, it felt very floaty, very matched, like, they're all over the place. Uh, people didn't like that one. I've, I've, that's, like, one of the bigger complaints I heard is just, like, how it's, you, there was no real strategy to it yeah. in the strategy it, RPG sense. Yeah, in Project Cross Zone 2, the, the, there's definitely a more uh, strategic aspect to it now because uh, the enemies feel heavier in it, they don't float all around the place like in Project Cross Zone One. There's um, there's a cross hit system in it, in which, if you uh in Project Cross Zone One, if like uh, a solo unit and a support unit uh hit with uh your enemies at the same time, like with your conjunction with your main unit's attacks, they'll be frozen in place, and it's like called a cross hit. Oh, okay. Uh, status sets them up. So yeah, so it sets them up so they're all like in just one place, so they'll get the brunt of your attacks, and whatnot. Um, but the 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 flaw to this was like 
the every time um, this cross hit uh, was intact, you can actually just like keep on refilling it as long as your attacks hit them the same time as you know any other attacks from like your uh, support unit or solo unit paired up. So like it, it's basically just kept uh, the enemies in place forever, and then there's big bullets, uh, HP sponges, on there. Um, in Project Cross Zone Two, it really mixes it up, mixes it up, and it, it it threw me off for a few stages in which uh, this cross hit freeze status, like it doesn't refill up anymore, like when you activate it. So like if you if you initiate it like with a a support uh, or a solo unit. Um, they'll stay in place, but you can't refill it anymore. Like any hits that like you do in conjunction, that it doesn't like immediately refill it up. Oh, okay. So it doesn't. It's not about soaking damage and stuff like that just to take advantage of it. Now it's more you have to actually be doing something, right? Right. Yeah. So the the weird thing about this is even though like you that cross hit ends, you can keep on hitting them, but and you can actually reset them back into it as long as the solo unit is still acting in there and you hit them again by coincidence. You know, and you can actually get them back into cross hit status. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that that's the the weird thing about that um, system now that a lot of people who played the first Project Cross Zone will uh, remember. Um, the the trade off for this is even though it's not as comboable anymore, let's say, um, or there's a, a gauge on the bottom that we're in these Project Cross Zone games called the XP bar, the cross point bar, not to be confused with experience, just <laughs> EXP. So get that terminology out of the oh e- XP and EXP are two different things. I okay. know. Okay. 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 And then this uh, XP uh, bar uh, in the first game uh, dictated a lot of the ways that you would um, defend yourself or react to enemies. Like in the first Project Cross Zone, you would uh, spend XP to either counter an enemy or defend against an enemy or full defend, which means like um, just have that take no damage at the cost of expending more XP. Oh, okay. It's like a stamina bar like in Dark Souls or something like that where it's like yeah. you can only be using it for so long but then it might break. Is that the kind of thing? Like, uh, not, it's, it's not to say stamina. It's it's more like a, a resource that can be uh, filled up uh, if you if you play well. So like uh, anytime like, you know, you hit an enemy like it'll, it'll fill it up but if like if they're in that cross hit status it'll, it'll greatly raise it up. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So in this game it that cross uh, the the way you fill up that uh, XP bar, it's a lot a lot faster uh, if they're in the cross hit status as a as a trade off for lot not being able to refill that you know freeze status on them. So you can actually rack up if you play well enough. Now you can rack it up really well and have that and uh, expend that uh, resource and, and reliably you know uh, raise it back up. Also in uh, Project Cross Zone Two. They have a new, like you said earlier, like a like a stamina bar, like a SP bar now, okay. uh, which which wasn't in the first one. In the oh. first one, you would in the first one you would rely on XP for everything, for your skills, for um, your ca- uh, countering, defending. In this one, uh, skills uh, skills are tied to SP, countering, and defending. The only thing that uh, consumes uh, XP now is your full defense and your special. Uh, like super skills in battle. Oh, so it's like a special bar for the XP, but obviously, other than that, you have another bar that just is dedicated to pretty much anything that's going on. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's really weird because uh, it does sound complicated, but it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it's only complicated if you compare it to the first game, right? Because oh. uh, you have like all these systems in place, but like the the way to present it, it's actually not difficult at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, visually, though, has it changed much from the first game? 
Not too much, but it, but the the first game's models are sprites were, were fine. They they still move well. The the nice thing that's uh, I really appreciate now is the the way they cut in uh in, during special attacks and uh and uh, multiple attacks that are that's new in this uh, version of Project Cross Zone. Uh, like, the, is it like Super Robot Wars kind of style. <laughs> yeah, like a, like a like a like a like a map attack in the Super Robot Wars. Like you can attack multiple units at once. Um, the, they have these uh portraits that were in the first one, but they have like a more cell shaded look to them and the way they move. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, I really really uh dig that new stylistic choice uh, for those types of encounters. It's a uh, and also the way they present the the story now, which we're circling back around. Then the the story is weird because it, it's more tightly knit in the sense that it's kind of like it's more of a sequel to Namco Cross Capcom than the first Project Cross Zone. Really? Okay. So is yeah. it more about people in coming like going through portals and things like that and showing up in this weird world or something like that? It, they 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 do like uh revisit like you know show up in new worlds and stuff. But you'll have char- characters that like remember like say Captain Commando that hasn't been in the series since the first Namco Cross Capcom. It's like oh uh, hey I remember you <laughs> it's from like, back okay, then. In, in yeah. Or something like I don't get this uh, reference. What they did? Okay. Oh uh, yeah. It's like it's like wait they met. It's like yeah they they had Namco Cross Capcom, but the, the, a lot of people won't recognize it because that that never got localized. Oh yeah. It's like you have to like there's a fan translation. That's like the only way anyone. Yeah. Knows could have played it uh, if they unless they knew japanese obviously but man yeah it's a uh, um the the protagonists from the first project cross zone haven't shown up at all but they're uh, if they show up i don't know if they show up or not but they haven't shown up i don't know if they got tossed aside uh reiji and xiaomu from namco cross capcom uh, retake that protagonist spotlight uh in this story and I mean, it, yeah and I, I should ask actually yeah speaking of which i mean how do you feel about this cast is it doing anything for you I I really like the cast. I like their chemistry, but it it all the it all depends on per person if they if they can recognize a lot of this cast because a lot of this cast now is uh, based off of uh, really like old properties, right? Like you have Hotsuma from Shinobi on PS2. It's like that, <laughs> you know, and uh, Hibana from Nightshade, which was the sequel to that. Yeah, the um, game. I think it, no one actually played that one, but it's like. And, You've got like Project Phoenix in there. You've got like Dot Hack in there, but st- I mean, you still have Dot Hack, but they yeah. But like, uh, what's that guy's name? Tetsu? Uh, no, I'm thinking like about the uh, from like uh, the Dot Hack's um, um, Infection and from Dot Hack GU series, and so yeah, yeah. You have Kite from Kite. so Black Rose. Black Rose from uh, the first game is now gone. He's she's been replaced by Haseyo. Haseyo, that's his GU. Yeah, that's real. What am I? Anyway, yeah. So we got we got those characters in there. So there's been some new additions to the cast, of course. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, and Yakuza too is in there as well, of course. Yeah, Yakuza and their Dead Souls uh, incarnations. So they have guns. <laughs> of course they do. I saw that. I actually I played this at E3 last year, and that's one of the characters they had was that just them with guns. I'm like, okay, it's, they're not going to beat each other up. They're just going to shoot each other. That's great. Yeah, the, the only thing they like, I mean, they, they do have moves that like uh, that uh, they still beat up people. Uh, their their uh, special attack is very, very fancy and uh, very reminiscent of like, you know, the Yakuza series with the heat and the, and the title, the black and white title logo style as the, as the finishing move. It's great. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. I love that already. Yeah, uh, I, I, I will say that Majima has had like the best line so far throughout oh, that. Uh, of course that, he does. That. He's like the guy. Yeah, uh, he's the goofiest <laughs> character. Majima's oh, great in, uh, in awesome. it. 
but they're, they're like you know, but a lot of the cast, of, like say like the merchant, for example, uh, Selfine, uh, uh A lot of uh, people won't recognize her because she's from Forgotten Worlds, and she's that's back in like 1988. You what know, game? Like, what's that game? Forgotten I've never heard of that World. game before. Exactly, I know. It's, it's, Worlds. Oh my gosh. Like I, 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 I like the cast, but that's because I can, I know a good majority of them. I can say 98 percent of them. It's total fan service. I mean, that's the whole point, it is, right? It is. And so they can't yeah. just do a bunch of new properties. I don't think that would be as um, in, interesting if they just did a bunch of like Devil May Cry, like new Capcom stuff. Mostly because obviously um, Cam, uh, Capcom and Sega and Bandai Namco, I mean, they can kind of hang their hats on the old properties that they don't really use as much anymore, unless it's like an arcade game or something. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. I think that's awesome that they still that they're doing something like that. Yeah. Um, other things to to uh, I forgot to mention. Uh, on this game is the, there's this new system where you can charge up attacks if you don't use them in battle. So let's say like uh, you have your standard, you know, just uh, a button press and then the directional left a or right a. Uh, so like in battle, you can just do like uh, three like neutral a attacks and then that'll charge up uh, the the left a and the right a because you didn't use them in combat. So next time you use them, they'll have a, a bonus, um, you know, damage to them. And then if you couple that with a uh, with another new system in the game, which is uh, side attacks and back attacks, uh, side attacks it'll do uh, bonus damage to an enemy. Back attacks even do even do more damage. So it gives you a lot of tools to like say if a, if a new like reinforcement shows up, and if you uh, use those charge attacks if you're behind them, along with like a support unit and a solo unit attacking them, you, and then you do a, a super at the end of that that crit, uh, criticals them. Like you do a lot of damage, oh like you easily do. Like, so it's one of those things. that's like I, I, I feel mixed on this right now because oh. I, 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 I understand the changes, but I'm not sure if that if that's actually speaking well about your product. About hey, we made these changes to make these battles go by much faster. Yeah, I think for the most part, it seems like it's a response to the people that didn't like the game. I mean, even if you read all the news, uh, the press releases, and things like that, it's like. Hey guys, we fixed all the problems with the first one, so you know, check us out again, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they're putting a lot of money with all these licenses. I, I, I just think it's great that it's it was like announced for localization practically immediately. And yeah. So the fact that it's, it came over so quickly, considering all the different properties that they have to work with, mm-hmm. I think is a is is great. And you know, yeah. I, I really love crossovers, but it's all about how you deal with it. Clearly, yeah. it wasn't done so well in the first game. And so to see it come here uh, with the sequel, uh, as you said, you're, you're, it doesn't seem like you're that far into it. So I hope that it's it does better because I think the ending of the first game, I think people had a much bigger problem with. So you're not even quite there yet. So I'm curious to see how that will go. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's just uh, how it wraps up as well. I think it's a, it's a really great that like they they've really got out of the their way to like secure like even Nintendo properties uh, in yeah. this. You'll see Fire Emblem characters, a character from Xenoblade Chronicles. That's right. And, uh, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> um, and then you'll you'll even have like even non uh, traditional non combatants like you know uh, from the Ace Attorney series, so Phoenix Wright and Maya you know are their own solo unit in this game, which is insane, you know. But is this is this is this an intelligent systems game? Uh, it's Monolith. Monolith. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I guess that kind of makes sense with the Xenoblade. It's a Nintendo exclusive, of course. So mm-hmm. that's that's still great. Um, and yeah, can't wait to see yeah. what else that uh, goes with. So looking forward to more of what you've got to say about that. So um, as we should say, Project Cross Zone Two. It's out on the sixteenth, right? Is that it? Or yeah, it's the sixteenth. Sixteenth. Yeah. yeah, February sixteenth. I think it's out of like at the time of this quarter, I think it's out in some territories right now. I'm not sure where, but uh, 
but as for the US, it is out on the 16th. Great. Okay, so we should be looking forward to a review from you soon on that. Uh, check it out on the site, rpgsite.net. Thanks again, Josh, for telling us about Project Cross Zone 2. Great. So, um, yeah, and then now we've got a bunch of news, but Adam's uh, not here right now, so I want to wait a little bit for him to come back so that we can talk about some of the big news that are heading up um, for this week, this past few weeks. Um, since we haven't done a podcast in a while, we'd like to kind of run over some of the more uh, important things that have come out. Some actually only just a very, rec- very, very recently, just in the past few days, so... Um, we're going to wait a moment, a little bit, uh, for Adam to show back up, though. It's a lot of RPGs here, and yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. Just because, so we've already been done. We've already done a few reviews on the site. Um, uh, you can always already see that up there. Like, let me let me actually go through a few of those that we've got. So, Dragon's Dogma was the big first one, like oh, uh, yeah, the PC right. port. I kicked off the year, and that was. Apparently was they did a great job. Then we got... yeah, the, the I think they, the the Capcom reported as their uh, fastest uh, PC game. Yeah, but... it's the fastest fastest selling PC game that they've ever had. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 done obviously very well, and it hopefully means much more for the series going forward in the West. Um, and I mean, obviously it was catered to us in the first place, so it's like you know what else are they going to do? Obviously, it doesn't seem like Dragon's Dogma Online is going to come here anytime soon, just due to competition. Yeah. So. Hopefully that means that Dragon's Dogma 2 is going to be, you know... Crossing my fingers. There's so much potential. Yeah, and then we've got, like, all the other reviews on the site. Mario and Luigi, Paper Jam, that's up. Uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. I put 85 hours in that game. And that's, like, the longest I've spent on a single game um, to from the beginning to the end credits on a single-player game experience on an RPG. That's just crazy. <laughs> and so um, that's, like, over 2,000 words in that review, so I hope you guys read that. Then we've got... Um, You'll be a Charger Cold Steel 2, right? Uh, my gosh. The <laughs> fact that we're going to actually be like <laughs> arguing whether Trails of Cold Steel or Cold Steel 2 this year for the Game of the Year awards just boggles my mind. Oh, I, I don't want to think about Game of the Year this uh, <sighs> early. It's, it's going to be... It's gonna be hectic. Yeah, and the fact I still got to put up that upcoming RPGs of 2016. I promised I would do it again this year, and there's already 130 believe. games. They keep announcing more games, which we'll talk about. Um, and we've got other stuff on the site, like Adventures of Mana. That's up. Yakuza Five reviews up, um, and the Eskenlogi Plus, which probably one of my favorite games in recent memory, is got a better version on the Vita. So definitely pick that up if you're interested. It's a, it's the second in a in a trilogy, so it's kind of hard to say you know if you should pick that up. Uh, I'd say grab Atelier Rona Plus first. You can get that game kind of cheap now, like maybe twenty twenty five bucks, and then just play that if you're interested in the series. And then just know that you have a lot of great games ahead of you. There's um, still there's still a lot of things in the, in the works too behind the scenes. Uh, Alex is working on XCOM two, and yeah. hopefully we can talk more about that when Alex gets roped into here. Yeah, totally. Uh, we've got XCOM two coming up. We've got reviews for um, uh, we already said Mega Dimension Project Cross Zone two. Fire Emblem Fates, which we'll talk about next time. So just be on the lookout for that stuff. It's going to be insane. Um, so, yeah, um, Adam's back. So let's just go ahead right into the news. And so, all right, great. So we have a lot of news to talk about. Um, and so uh, it's been a great year so far for RPGs. Um, with the games that are already out and what we've learned so far um, is going to be an exciting year. So let's move right into one of the biggest stories that we've got so far is that uh, recently, Sega announced 
and it was late last year, of course, Sega announced Valkyrie Azure Revolution and uh, the remastered Valkyrie Chronicles 1. Uh, they uh, quickly announced just a little bit ago that Valkyrie Chronicles Remastered would be coming to the West. Now, they have not touched on whether the Azure Revolution is going to be making its way here as well, or even just the demo, uh, which is kind of nuts because uh, we're already almost into springtime, and that's when uh, Remastered is supposed to be out. So I hope they tell us soon. It's, it makes it seem like there's a lot of backroom dealing going on, trying mm-hmm. to make that thing happen. I'm sure there's a lot of people in Sega of America that would love to have that be a thing here too. I guess they're just kind of waiting to see whether Japan agrees um, but they released, uh, so Valkyria Chronicles Remasters uh, just came out in Japan not long ago, and so with that, we've got the Valkyria Azure Revolution. Trying to say this all in one breath is probably not the best <laughs> oh, idea. Hold on, Zach. Uh, hold on, Zach. Let, let me take two steps back. What yes. is Valkyria Chronicles Remastered? So, um, from all it's worth, it just sounds like it's just the PC version. Um, it's the original game, uh, re- remastered in 1080p, uh, with all the DLC that came out. Um, so you've got the... Uh, uh, the side missions that were part of the DLC, all the um, all the other content that came with it, um, all packaged up with the trophies that you want. Trophies in, this, in trophies. my Valkyria Chronicles. Yes, trophies. Um, Is it happening? People. I know, right? And that's the thing where it's like uh, when they so uh, backing up even further. Uh, Sony actually didn't make trophies uh, the standard until like 2009, I think, or 2010. And so you've had games in the past, such as one of the more prolific ones was Metal Gear Solid 4. It did not have trophies, but they patched that in later. Sega did not do that for Valkyria Chronicles, though. And so, um, Josh, you take over. I'm talking a lot. You you continue with this. Okay. All right. So Valkyria Chronicles Remastered does, uh, Zach said, uh, 1080p's, uh, I think 60 frames, I'm not sure, uh, for the PS4. Um, and it's that, thirty bucks. It's thirty dollars. It, it's insane. thirty. Yeah, yeah. It's thirty bucks. It's the, quite a hell of a deal uh, for uh, one of my favorite games on the PS3. Uh, so this PS4 uh, re- remake or remastered in Japan, um, the first uh, print copies of it come with this uh, Valkyria Azure Revolution Battle uh, Demo 1.0. Uh, <laughs> I know it's it's like episode desk uh, Final Fantasy 15. A, a little bit, yeah. yeah it, it's very much a, a proven concept uh, in which uh, you know they're they're showing off you know the first uh, gameplay uh, of this new Valkyria game that's not necessarily part of the Chronicle series. They they say that it's like it's its own like you know alternate series in the with the Valkyria name in it, it has uh, very much concepts. Of like the Ragnite and uh, Valkyria in it, but it's not part of the Chronicles series. No, so it's a, it's, it's, they already said it's like they're splitting off the series where one's going to be the strategy RPG version and one's more the action RPG. Mm-hmm. And then so recently, uh, you know, uh, they've put out put out footage on uh, what Valkyria Azure Revolution actually you know plays like at this current stage, and you know it's a very much up for. Improvement. They're taking feedback. Uh, what doesn't work in it? What doesn't? So I just kind of want to have a little bit of conversation. Of like uh, you both have seen it, Adam and Zach. Yes. Uh, what do you guys think about it so far? I think it looks interesting. Obviously, like we said, it's only a proof of concept. But the whole idea of having full control of your character. I mean, the best way to kind of compare it is to anyone who played the first game. It's as if you have unlimited running power, so you don't uh, or stamina, whatever. So you can run around as much as you want, attack enemies. Uh, but there's more depending on not just guns, but also melee weapons, 
which wasn't so much used in the first game unless you were one of the um, Valkyries, of course. Yeah, the melee weapons showed up a little bit more in like the sequels, um, like mm-hmm. Valkyrie Chronicles 2 and 3. But um, now I wasn't... In Valkyrie Chronicles, you, you basically control all the actions. There's a couple of times like where your, your characters will, will shoot back at enemies as they move. But you basically control everything. Where in this action RPG, there's actually like an AI element where your 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 comrades are like kind of off doing their own thing, supporting you, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're so you're that's so that's one the character, and you can switch between the characters. Oh, you can switch. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall. Yeah, but I, I, I know. I know it's different in that case. Where like you know the the original Valkyria Chronicles is definitely very much strategy RPG where you control mostly everything on your own. Where this uh, Azure Revolution has just a hinge more of that, you know, party AI where there's a, maybe a little bit of coordination you can control, but there's some reliance on, you know, what these, you know, computer controlled, you know, supports are, are going to be doing with you as you play. So that's, a, that's quite a bit different. That, that's that more action RPG um, element there. So, so what I'm trying, I was trying to get from the video is that it, every time you come across an encounter, it says like good situation bad situation does anyone know exactly what that means i assume I think it's, it's like the way you the way you approach an enemy i think like from the front I'm... or from the back or something like that or if you're maybe you're surrounded uh-huh yeah okay I, um, i'm pretty sure that's how, that, that's how it works uh, to me personally like i don't have a strong opinion either way right now on it it's very like i know there's been a lot of like uh, negative feedback on it because it's just it's it's very it's very um, basic right now. It, it doesn't really run all that well. There's placeholder textures. It, it uh, you know there's hitching and it, it looks fairly basic. Like you go into an uh, enemy encounter, um, like there, there's like a cover system. It kind of looks like a sh- uh, third-person shooter type uh, approaching enemies. Oh, yeah. And then when you get up to them, it's uh, it's a very very basic like you know um, uh, close quarters combat like you know your standard uh, attacks and. Uh, Special attacks, but it's, 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 not, it's not like, say, a Platinum Games type of uh, caliber of action. No, though, it's yeah. meant to be very... Uh, you, have to, you have to obviously use your environment in order to defeat the enemy, just like you would in another game. But yeah, people comparing it to Valkyria Chronicles, which they shouldn't be, because it's not supposed to be those games. It's something completely different, something experimental. They wanted to do something different. Um, they've made it very clear that it doesn't mean it's the end of the series, but from what the demo footage showed... It seems interesting. I totally agree with that. It seems like they've got something to work with, and um, hopefully they'll, as you said, take into consideration all the feedback that they're getting and make some changes to that. Obviously, they're not going to throw the whole thing out, but you know, a lot of it seems like a lot of people outside looking in, people who have not actually played it themselves, yeah. so I'm curious to see how that'll go. And also, people have to keep in mind that the, the game is titled like it is for a reason. It's not Valkyrie Chronicles 4. It's its own thing exactly and it, it's going to change it's going to change how it plays so you can't expect it to be exactly like Valkyria Chronicles because it's not it isn't Valkyria Chronicles it's kind of just it's a spin-off that's what it is absolutely mm-hmm. so and and so with that um obviously that demo footage is out there you can check it up on our site rpg site I believe so. I believe there's a, another battle demo like 2.0 coming like later this year yeah they said that they're going to take feedback and do another demo because this demo was titled 1.0 from the very beginning, so it was kind of implied that there'd always be another one. So the other one is supposed to come out like in summer or something. And the game is mm-hmm. the game is scheduled in Japan for winter. It may not be this year; it might be early next year. But yeah, it's that's kind of the timeline. Right, great. So um, yeah, just look up for that footage on the site. Vakaria uh, Chronicles Remastered is already up for pre-order on on all the major retailers. So um, get that steelbook while you can. 
so now that we've talked about that, now there's also um, some more f- information coming out uh, for the new uh, East game. Um, that's it's exciting because they didn't an- they announced that back was it last year's TGS? I think it was originally announced in TGS oh. 2014. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Kind of cool. They showed that tiny little footage that they had of running like on the uh, outside, like next to some water. It, it seems it. like what happened was they announced it at TGS 2014, but at that time they were really more focused on. Like Seno Kaseki two and Tokyo's and Anadu, and Tokyo Xanadu, and then once they kind of got those out, then they started really yeah. ratchet up uh, the the yeast stuff. So, anyways, yeast eight, it yeah, it's it's already pretty. So the yeast games all have like slightly different styles. Like the original yeast games are pretty different from you know yeast origin and yeast Falgana, which are pretty different from the most Open. recent ones, yeast yeast memories of Celsetta and yeast seven. So this one is kind of in the style of those games, uh, Yeast Memories and Zelda, Celsetta, being the most recent. You're going to have trouble with that word, aren't you? Celsetta. Great. It's Celsetta. Yeah. Come on. Not Celsetta. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. Uh, so it, so it's, got a par- it's, it's got a a party system, and they, most, they detailed the two characters that we've seen from the very original trailer. Um, so there's a girl, Raksha. She's like a noble um, youth. Um, she wields a rapier, and she's said to be like um, she's knowledgeable about like like history and ancient plants and animals and those types of things. And then the guy uh, Sahad, um, he's almost he, he almost seems like kind of like a dogi replacement. Dogi being Another kind of battle. Dogi, or <laughs> he he's uh, just he he was stranded alongside Adol in this game, and he's just you know along for the ride type of deal. Um, so. And a gigantic anchor. Yeah, his his oh, weapon yeah. is an anchor. We're looking at the picture right now. Uh, it, yeah, he has a gigantic anchor on his back. Like he just was around some like derelict ship somewhere and just picked it up. And he's like, oh, well, this the... looks good. I'll use this in battle. Yeah, well, this game. He's a fisherman. He's, that's what he does. He carries around yep. like giant anchors. That's what. So this game, they've already detailed a bit of it, but not all of it. Yeah. Um, it supposedly has the map making system that Celsetta had. Where you basically are, there's literally a percentage of the map you're uncovering, and you get bonuses for, you know, uncovering the map, and you find treasure and all that too. Um, and then uh, it's got the party system where you, the different characters have some different abilities, and their, you know, their effectiveness, their their effectiveness versus certain animals is probably different. Um, some of the things that are new is they seem to be a little bit of a focus on like large monsters. Um, gigantic type uh, beasts that they have to fight. Those are in some of the screenshots and uh, artwork. Uh, it's crazy and, how, how it looks. It looks really, really good too. Like uh, if you're comparing it to the other games in the series. Yeah. So this this new one is PS4, PS Vita. Yes. So it looks good for a Vita game. Probably not so good for a PS4 yeah, game. Yeah, that's actually a good point. It doesn't uh, look that great on the blown up. But it's I, th- I still think it, it's 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 impressive for what it, the series has been like in the past. That's for sure. And uh, some of the things they haven't quite confirmed yet, they, they, they mentioned in one of the interviews something about like some sort of defense mechanic where like you have to defend towns from attacks or something. Yeah, yeah. there's like some tower, weird tower defense. Yeah, I'm siege, not going to say like it's a, a yeah, like, that, like there'll be mo- monsters like sieging like, you know, uh, and that's, that, that ties in with the giant monsters. So they haven't really detailed that fully. Um, another thing is one of the, the main characters, I don't think she's been given a name yet. She's got the blue hair. In the yeah, main the, the main artwork. Yep. Um, there's been some screenshots of her, and it seems like she's like in a different type of gameplay mode than the rest. Oh. Um, yeah. So I know what some people have speculated is that 
Adol and his partners are like are like E seven or E Salsetta, where you're you know it's like a party system. Whereas maybe you play as this girl in more like a solo like levels of the game by herself. Um, and she she, she has bump. weapons. Yeah, can she bump? Can she bump? <laughs> <laughs> into people. That's the Just, different mode, right? It's the different oh, gameplay mode. Oh, sign me up. Well, I think all we have to go on is like a screenshot of her wielding like a dual scythe type thing. Um, but anyways, it hasn't really detailed her at all. We just know she's in the game somehow. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm definitely really looking forward to this one. It hasn't been announced for localization yet, although I'm sure Xseed is on it. Uh, so, and, and it's actually got a full name. So it's Ease 8 Lacrimosa of Dana or something? Yeah, La- something. Lacrimosa of Dana. And let me let me look up. Um, it's Latin. Uh, really? Oh, I guess. Yeah, if you look at the actual, like, the the uh logo art that they have it's it totally looks like yeah they're trying to be inspired by that type of uh type of culture well the yeast games the yeast games are kind of weird that they kind of like take place like at all is from like like fake europe or something yeah uh and like a lot of these games a lot of these games will reference like these european countries uh or like greece i think they say sahad is from greece or something uh so it's kind of (laughs) weird how they do that um it's it's like it's like a fantasy world that's somewhat re- related to like the real Europe, his, like oh, the, yeast the European names. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, I believe in this game now. There's like uh, like uh, three different types of uh, ways you can attack too. There's like slash, strike, and oh yeah, I forgot what the the last one was. Yeah, there don't be like first... some enemies that are like more prone to one over the other, but there's a way to like break them, and then yeah. uh, which will make all the them more prone to all the attacks. Okay, first well. of all, lacrimosa means like weeping in Latin. So it's like the weeping or sadness of Dana, whatever Dana is. Uh, it's the girl, it's the blue haired girl. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah it. she, 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 she's hey. the blue haired girl's Dana because she's going to get left by Adol. Like yeah, all the other. it's like some weird like, emotional relationship. It's, uh, yeah, she's, ta- I know it's like kind a of fortune silly. teller from the other games. Like you always leave her behind. Something happens. Well, time li- I know timeline wise, this, this game takes place before E7 and also E7. Uh, Ark of Nap, Naptitium. Oh, man, this is super early then, right? <laughs> yeah, Jeez. so it's 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 uh it's kind of like a mid quill. Yeah. So it's kind of anyway, um. But yeah, they I know they mentioned something about three different attack styles. Now, Y Seven had uh like different characters like had sword attacks or blunt attacks or yeah. or yeah, sharp attacks. Specific attacks. That they so used. it seems to be something similar to that. Um, maybe I know Tokyo's Xanadu had something like that as well. Um. So maybe kind of drawing inspiration there, but I mean, also you can already pull from the characters. Like Sahad looks obviously looks like a power character. Raksha looks like a quick, like a, a very fast, quick. And Adol is supposed to be balanced. He always yeah. is. Um, He's always the balanced. Usually, one. usually the main character is the balanced one, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and then uh, so the, and also like the, the the enemy parts breaking type systems that they've kind of implied that that would fit in with like the monsters being giant and things like that too. So it's, you know, it seems like they're, they're adding in a few tweaks without changing it too much, but we'll see. I, I really dig that. Like one, you see screenshot that they released recently. That looks like there's like a freaking T-Rex in the background. Yeah. Just, yeah, just <laughs> like, run around and attack its legs or something like that. Like, so, all right, I guess. So great. Uh, so that's, that's easy. Um, obviously it's coming out later this year for PlayStation 4 and Vita in Japan. No announcement for the West, but we can all hope uh, with Xseed's better relationship with, Falcom that will get it. 
Um, moving on now, a, a recent localization announcement, in fact, um, that just only came out just this past week, um, as of this recording. Sheer and the Wanderer Five Plus is heading to the Vita, which is the um, enhanced version of the game. Now, that's not the uh, Western name for that game. Uh, it's how does that go? Uh, I, I think they. I think it's just. Is it just? It, it, it's uh, it's Sheer and the Wanderer, the the Tower of Fortune, and the Dice of Fate. Oh my God, it's just like. Was it the Tree of Fate in the World Below? Whatever that Dragon Quest <laughs> no, Dragon is, Heroes, it's yeah. just the exact same. Like that name is way too long for the box art. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like um, this is like the main, like the biggest, like roguelike uh, franchise, really. Yes. Um, it's kind of funny. It's it's part of the Mystery Dungeon series. Now I know a lot of people in the West, the Mystery Dungeon, they might think of like Pokemon first. Yes. Uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. And I know some people might like make fun of like, wait, this this this, this Sharon game is, is just is just copying Pokemon Mystery Dungeon when it's kind of the other way around. Um, yeah, that's it's actually uh, is inspired by it, and it right. was the whole point of the Pokemon most Mystery Dungeon was to try to make a more accessible version of this game. I mean, the thing about the Sharon Wanderer series, from what I've heard, is that it's already kind of one of the more once again, it's it's actually a pretty accessible roguelike yeah it's yes. still kind of brutal at times just from you know you go out into the dungeon and anything if you die while you're out there you lose items but i think it's actually meant to be more approachable in that you still keep some of those things or at least uh it's not as uh, it doesn't punish you as poor as badly as some other games might um and it's also got this really cool 2d sprite style that continues in uh as to this day some people might have played the wii game that came out to the west um because so few of the games in this series actually gets localized i think that might be is that I the, maybe the i think one? there was a ds game yeah of the original it was like a remake of the original that came out in the west um i don't i don't quote me on that i might be wrong i do know the shire and the wanderer game that came out on wii i think in the u.s it was just called Shire and the Wanderer. Yeah, it is. I think yeah. that was actually the third one. Um, and then the fourth one came out in Japan, and we never got it. And then this is the fifth one, and it's actually not. It's actually an upgraded version of the fifth one, yeah. uh, the plus version. I think the original is 3DS or maybe even regular DS, and this is Vita. Um, so anyways, it's the latest game. Yeah, and it's a, it's a turn-based roguelike, too. So obviously yeah. you run into up an enemy. If you engage with them, then you take a turn, the enemy takes a turn, and so on. And so it's not as crazy as some other roguelikes where you're kind of at the whim of, like... Because you reviewed um, Brandish, right? And so that's kind of the other... Well, actually, style. this... the I'm not, I haven't played a lot of roguelikes, but the, I played uh, Etrian Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. Uh, again, Mystery Dungeon, it's just kind it's of a, another... Dungeon crawler, yeah, but yeah. So, yeah, the, like, uh, the, the dungeons are random every time. There is no map. I mean, there's, you can map out the, the floors, but they're random every time you enter. Uh, and then if you lose all your health or you lose your life in the dungeon, um, I know in Etrian, you, in, in other roguelikes, you have to send out like a second party to go retrieve them. Yeah. Um, and you can't like, <laughs> and you can't like save scum or anything. You, uh, as soon as you turn off, I know a lot of these roguelikes, as soon as you turn off the game, it makes a save uh, for you. So you can't like reload it. You, you have to be very careful. So I know Shire and the Wanderer is supposed to be a little bit more accessible, but it probably still has some of those you know, more hardcore elements in, in place that make a roguelike a roguelike. Um, but I know it's not supposed to be the most, like, difficult one out there. 
Um, and it, I should also mention that I'm pretty sure this doesn't require any like knowledge of the series or anything. There's no, oh, yeah, there's no, no totally. storyline. There's thing. no, there's no, there's no. The storyline is pretty basic, uh, I'd assume. Yeah, <laughs> so. totally. yeah. And, and the cool thing about it is that it's got online co-op, so you can totally like have someone else join you and go into the dungeons with them or save or save you if you lose you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like carry you through the all the dungeons the higher level friend that is doing everything for you because you're so great and you you said you would buy him dinner later or something like that so it's it's uh, apparently it's it's it looks great i think i'm excited for more games like this axis games is doing the work uh to bring this game over which they've been doing a lot of localizations lately which is awesome it means they're doing well um so i'm i'm glad to see that I'm excited to see Definitely. more about that. So, and that's Do you remember to be the subtitle? Here. I'm sorry? Do you remember the subtitle? <sighs> Come on, you can I do can't. it. Uh, was it, I'm not even looking at it, the Tower of Fortune and the Dice of Fate. I feel yes. like you just cheated, but all right. Yes. We'll take oh, no. your word is that, for it. Is that what it is? Yeah, 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 well, that's oh exactly what it was. Oh, you did it. You did it. <sighs> I don't even... <laughs> That's terrible. All right, so now that so that's coming out July twenty sixth, uh, exclusive to the Vita, in North America. Uh, nothing announced yet for the Europe European people. So um, cross your fingers and hope that that's going to come over there too. Um, but now we've got that out of the way. Now this is we're moving on to a new announcement uh, that was actually no wait. Uh, let me before we talk about that, um, we also heard that Grand Keenum is coming over to the West as well. Um, a lot of people didn't know if that was going to make the trip over, uh, but this game's got a little bit of a history. It's from the director of the Grand Knights History game that almost saw uh, a localization, um, but it was canceled at like the very last moment. I think mm-hmm. they even had like I think uh, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, I think that they said it was already translated, but it just didn't. Well, make I it. think I don't remember right, but it was like announced. Yes. It was formally announced, and then it, you could pre-order. It was, it was pre-orderable too. And then they canceled it, which you don't see that often. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was being. It was being localized by Exceed Games, but unfortunately, uh, you know, the vanilla wears and they didn't have you know the time and resources to you know put in the programming. From what I remember, uh, you know, because they had a lot of other projects at that time that they put in higher priority. So it just uh, circumstance and coincidence. Unfortunately, didn't see Grand Knight's history. Uh, over here, I think it's got a fan translation, but that's about it. So, yeah. But now, but anyways, news. Grand Kingdom. It's, it's it's like an online. It's kind of weird because it doesn't seem like you can easily compare it to any other game, at least any other game in English, so easily in terms of how it plays. So it's like a strategy game, and there seems to be a grid type element where you're moving squads um, around. Yeah. But then, like, the battle system is like this, uh, they actually describe it, lane-based 2D, um, where it's turns, but they take, like, th- there's movement based on an action ga- gauge, and they actually compare it to Valkyria Chronicles, so, like, you can do so much in a certain amount of, like, space um, with yeah. your units. So you, you have various units of different classes, you know, like the warrior and the wizard and those types of things. Um, and it also has, like, an online component, too, where you can battle other car- or other players and things like that, so it's it's kind of hard to to really know how this game works because um, it, it, it's it's hard to compare. But it looks the art style is really neat. Yeah. So this uh, this uh, this time around, um, uh, it's not being developed by Vanillaware. Uh, the Grand Knights history director Tomohiko uh, Deguchi uh, formed a new studio, Monocro, uh, and they're the ones uh, you know responsible for the development of the game. 
And uh, the the really interesting thing about Grand Kingdom, like uh, what Adam was saying about the online thing, is uh, players have the option to rep, uh, uh, you know, to choose a kingdom to fight for. And that's when the online multiplayer go- comes in. It's like you're, you're expanding the territory, the influence of the kingdom that you represent. There's like this tension of like you know, like hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna battle this person for my kingdom, you know, and whatnot. So. It's, I don't know the specifics of how exactly everything uh, works together and what benefits you get from you know expanding your kingdom's influence and whatnot, but it's uh it's very awesome to see that you know uh, that Miss America is uh, putting forth the effort because I, I've there's been you know understandably worries that if we'll ever see this because of what happened you know the unfortunate uh, demise of uh, the Grand Knights history localization. Well, and, this yeah. this game is a. Uh... It's developed by Monocro, which is probably a pretty small new Japanese studio, but it's being published in Japan by Spike Chunsoft, mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing a lot of their games now with you know the the visual novels and the. Uh, um, uh, yeah, you think it's like the relationship with America's relationship with Spike Chunsoft that made that happen? It's, it's it could potentially be just because they probably own that that IP, but also. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, the, the, we, hopefully we can get other games like Exist Archive too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Only so, Trice being there might be. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> let's not get to talk about the games that could potentially be. So yes, Grand Kingdom launching on June 21st in North America and on the 17th in Europe for the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Vita. Uh, obviously, we'll have more news as it comes out for that game. So now that we've gotten the localization announcements out of the way, some other big games um, that were recently announced. Black Rose Valkyrie from Compile Heart. Um, obviously going in a different direction from the people that brought you Neptunia. Uh, Adam, uh, you know a little bit about this game? Uh, I'm, I mean, they haven't really revealed a no, lot. it's still small, yeah. Yeah, but so uh, Compile Heart, they announced um, that they're coming out with like a new like series of games um, that they're calling part of their like Idea Factory International brand, not to be confused with Idea Factory International, the localization studio. They're supposedly totally separate. Yeah, uh, it's more so of a anyway, brand. That's yeah. Cool. So, anyways, um, it's different from Neptunia and you know their other Compile Heart games, and you can actually tell that right away. So, like the main artist in this game, Black Rose Valkyrie, is Kosuke uh, Fujishima. Uh, who you may not recognize his name, but you probably have seen his art with the Tales series. He does a lot of the Tales games, character art, um, and so it's got a do- it's got a pretty different art style from most Compile Heart games. And all we really know about it so far is that it stars a main character, a guy, and he's got five women, five girls. That's, a, that's uh, like and, a Compile Heart game. Yep. Yeah, okay. it's a Compile Heart game. So <laughs> checks uh, out. <laughs> checks out. Checks out. <laughs> yep. Uh, still, despite the art style, and so. And they're, they are, you know, in league with him. However, when you play the game, one of these characters is traitorous. And they haven't really detailed this too much yet, but it sounds like part of the game itself is trying to figure out which of these characters you can trust and which one is the traitor. You know what that um, sounds like? That it sounds, sounds like, it sounds Lost, like Dimension. <laughs> Lost Dimension. which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a Furuyu game that came out last year that Atlas localized. Um, so... We have no idea if it'll be similar to that in structure or not, but it sounds like that same premise anyway. Yeah, we've, um, we've got a trailer for that up on the site, so you can check it out. It's obviously you can even if it's in Japanese, you can pretty much get the gist of what well, that 
game is going for. Yeah, all they've really shown so far is they had they had the debut trailer and then they had like a quick character trailer where they just went over the five heroines and the hero and that was it. Um, I love how there's like artwork for like all like the, this evil dark side of each of like uh, each of the heroines. It's kind of it's a cool effect the way they, they introduce each character like that, so you know that it could be anybody. I wonder if it's randomized. That would be. But yeah, it it does. Besides the fact that it's you know uh, features a lot of girl anime type characters it does seem to probably be going for a slightly different tone maybe it's hard to tell at this I point so, but yeah. the trailers and the art style are pretty different from the bubbly compile heart that we see oftentimes so Absolutely. oh so, yeah so yeah we'll hopefully hear more about that soon but adam on. i have a question wait yes. before we move on i have one question for you adam i have never what, played what, a compile heart game okay that doesn't question? matter <laughs> uh what what would it take for uh black rose valkyrie to have a better trader system than lost dimension oh uh, so Lost Dimension, not to dwell on it too long, it was way too easy to find out who the trader was. It was almost trivial. Um, it was basically you take characters into a level, into a level which you can redo as many times as you want, and based on the things they say, they kind of give obvious clues of whether or not they're the trader. And so you could basically figure it out in a couple of minutes. Just do a level <laughs> once or twice, and that was it. Um, so I I hope that it's a little bit more involved in that. <laughs> Please be more subtle about your your, your treason. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. So yeah, um, we'll hopefully hear more, like I said, soon. But uh, then other news that came out from Japan. Um, more information about Dragon Quest Heroes Two, the sequel that was announced. Uh, it didn't. It doesn't seem like it was announced that long ago. Uh, but they've already put out some more information about the new characters that we'll be seeing. So what we've got here, um, Josh, if you wouldn't mind just running that down for us. Okay, so from Dragon Quest Four, we have Mina and Tornico. Dragon Quest Six, we have Carver. Aw, yeah. Uh, from yes. Dragon Quest Seven, we have uh, Gabo and Maribel. And Dragon Quest Eight, we have Angelo as Angelo. the new. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> well, the like Angelo would have been yeah. natural for the last game. It seems weird that he's only on the sequel, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but well, that's, I think uh, I think since the last game had Jessica and Yangus, they're yeah. like trying to they're not trying to keep all the characters in one game. The guys just trying to split them up, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no one from the more recent games either. They're still like stuck on eight and going back, I guess. But yeah, I think they have uh, a, a few from the uh, last game. I think they have um, Elena and Kirill from four, um, Maya from four also, and then six Terry and Jessica from eight coming back for the sequel. Okay, so but they don't have anyone from nine or ten. Obviously, not ten would yet. not mean anything to anybody in the West. But that's you know, if that game comes over, does ten but... even have like set characters, or are they all just cre- player uh, created? It, well, you created an avatar. It did have a single player mode with a story, but it was barely anything. And you can go online, and then obviously with the multiplayer there. So yeah, it's that's like an MMO with a, a single player campaign. That's all it was. Um, but, Anyways, the one thing I'm really interested in is, so I think I mentioned this earlier, but I'm, I'm playing through the Dragon Quest series and I'm on Dragon Quest 4 right now. And so Tornico from Dragon Quest 4 is like a kind of an overweight merchant type character. Yeah, like, big pretty, in the series with his yeah, own games. Yes, yeah, he's got his own game. Actually, I'm pretty sure his game was one of the very first Mystery Dungeon games. Yes, it was, in fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, he's a very atypical like RPG character, and I'm just imagining him like wrecking all these enemies in a Muzuo style game, and it's you know pretty awesome. Fantastic. I can imagine yeah. it. <laughs> the fact that they're recognizing him in this game. Obviously, he's, he's actually one of the more popular characters in the series, so it's great to see him there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, they put out more information about the the new characters that are coming out. Did they announce anything else? 
Um, there's a, it's coming out uh, in Japan on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, and Vita on uh, May 27th, which Holy is yes, the anniversary you. for uh, the Dragon Quest series. And um, I believe <laughs> so people there's... took that kind of seriously. Like, really? That's the <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, really, whatever. Uh, and then um, they have this event, I believe, on the February 24th, showing like the world's first debut trailer for this uh, game. Yeah, all they put out is just like artwork and stuff like that. Nothing, nothing more than that. So, some people are hoping for some big changes. But oh yeah, you know, I'm I've not yet played Dragon Quest Heroes, but I, I'm excited because I, I really really love the aesthetic style of the Dragon Quest Heroes. I think there's there's a, it's it's lovable. It's a very charming. It is it, it constantly reminds that yes, really this is very much a Dragon Quest game, despite it not play, usually playing like a typical Dragon Quest. Should be exciting. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see in that first footage. I mean, it seems like it's it's so it's it's so it's not even that long far away, and yet we don't even have gameplay about it. But that's that's Japan. Sometimes they announce games and put them out like a few months later, and then we just learn about it on the way. Like uh, for example, like Shin Megami Tensei Four Final. Yes, now came out and it came out on February the tenth, um, and it was announced like four or five months ago. And that yeah. was it. <laughs> like, it was like was around it only the four same or five time. months? Yeah, I thought it was like December. Yeah, was like it? around the same time they put out the new Persona 5 trailer, they announced this Oh, game, okay. You know? Oh, it's, yeah, that's right. It was not long ago. But yeah, so 4 Final is the quote-unquote sequel to the Shimigami Tensei 4. Um, Adam, it, was announced, it was announced, I just checked, it was announced early October, yeah. um, October 5th, and then released in uh, early February. So yeah, like four months. <laughs> yeah, just a few days ago. So Adam, you know a lot about this game, right? Well, I played, I, I played Shin Megami Tensei 4, and I like it a lot. Um, this is a direct sequel, despite what the name, like, might, the name kind of sounds like it's, uh, like, a new version or an upgraded something. It's like Fez or something like that. It's Shin a brand new game. It, it's a sequel. Um, now, this is a very, very small spoiler, but it, it actually overlaps the storyline in the first game a little bit. Um, it doesn't take place. It ta- the start of Shin Megami Tensei 4 final takes place before the end of Shin Megami Tensei 4. That makes sense. It overlaps. Um, so you actually see some of those events that ha- happen at the end of that game from another perspective, from what I gather from Japanese impressions. Um, and so storyline, it seems to be taking a different perspective and kind of building off from there. Um, I don't really know what, what really happens after that point spoilers and all that um that's kind of the setup in terms of the gameplay style it, it you know it looks very similar to Shin Megami Tensei 4 and the battle system and you know the world and all that I know the one main difference they advertised was the companion system so in Shin Megami Tensei 4 sometimes Walter or Jonathan would kind of join you um kind of like as a tertiary member they would you know they'd, they'd help out in battle a little bit but you didn't have much control over them and they didn't they didn't gain levels or anything like that they just kind of helped at times they expanded that where now you can choose like four to six different characters that you can join you that can join you um in battle and then i believe they do gain experience of some sort or you can manage them in some way um um in addition to the normal demon recruiting so it's it's that seems to be the major in terms of the combat differences that seemed to be the biggest tweak that they're making um 
I believe Josh said earlier that they that they removed like the smirking mechanic. Oh yeah, uh, we have to explain to Zach what smirking is. What is smirking? Like, like, there's a face. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 okay. so do you want to do it, Adam, or do I'll explain it. I guess. Okay. So right, in Shin Megami, so one of the things that Shin Megami Tensei is, and this is true for a lot of RPGs, but especially SMT, um, is using elements to your advantage. And Persona is the same way. If you want, if an enemy is you know weak to fire attacks, you do Agi abilities, Agi Dine or Maragi Dine or whatever, and that not only does more damage, but it can cancel their attack. It can give you an extra move and things like that. So there's there's a lot of benefit to to using the weakness against them, even more than most games. Oh. In Chimagami Tensei Four, that's true for a lot of SMT games and Persona games. In Shin Megami Tensei 4, they added a smirk to that where if you hit a weakness, your character would do... It's like a different stance. They go into a smirking like mode or stance. And what that would mean is they would dodge every single attack that oh. would go their way. Um, physical attack, I think. And they would automatically critical their next attack. Um, and so it was a little bit overpowered, even more than it kind of already was. But not only that, the enemies, uh, no, the enemies, some enemies could do that, could smirk. Yeah, reminding. But anyways, it kind of just made the balance not as tight as it could have been. Um, it was really easy to abuse, like even more so than normal. So I'm kind of glad that they seem to be tweaking it a little bit anyway. Zach, let me give you a little scenario of how smirking uh, can work against you. So along with this, uh, how the companion system was handled in the first game. So let's say that you're going against this boss that's weak to fire. Oh, no, no, who's strong to fire because they, this smirking mechanic can activate if you activate something that they're strong to as well. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, you go up to this uh, boss and he's strong to fire. So, uh, and your companion is the person that can only, only cast uh, fire magic and you don't have any control over them. So, go stroll into battle. You're all ready. You're maybe like maybe four to five levels ahead of this uh, boss. And then your companion is like, hey, I only know fire. Here's an Agi for you. So uh, Agi's like, ugh, I'm going to smirk. And then it's like, wait, I didn't do, I didn't fuck up, okay? And, that, it's and now you cannot and, hit him, basically. Yeah, this asshole with me is the one who hit hey, you. Hey, don't get the wrong impression, guy. I'm sorry, okay? Jeez. <laughs> so uh, the, 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 there were a, a lot of complaints that, you know, the, just by the luck of the draw, uh, but by not even a person, you know, really screwing up that, like, they can't beat this boss now. You just wiped out, like, uh, half of, like, three, three-fourths of your party members because your companion decided, hey, here's fire. Oh, and it's, it's not even, it, 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 now that I'm thinking of it and remembering it, it doesn't even have to be, like, that specific of a scenario. Like, there are some enemies that, that are just um, either dodge a lot or are resistant to physical attacks. And so if your companion starts, like, swinging and just tries doing physical attacks and they miss or they hit a guy who's weak to it, that not only does it cause smirking sometimes, but you, whenever you miss an enemy, you lose turns. That's how SMP oh, yeah, works. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you're, you're, so you're there, like, shooting magic like, you're, like a smart person would be, and your, your companion is attacking and missing. And not only is he just not being useless, but he's actively making your job harder because you're losing turns. That's how SMT works. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, yeah, uh, have SMT you guys folks. have you guys heard of any impressions so far? I mean, so far the only things I've kind of noticed um, from what pe- the people I follow on Twitter and stuff like that is that, like for example, the everything's been improved upon. Of course, like the maps, the UI, navigation, things like that. I think it's also like one of the things I know. I remember one person saying is that enemies no longer chase you on the map. 
Oh yeah. Uh, so you can just walk around without it being in fear of something like that happening. So um, the I, I actually did not. I, I've heard some impressions, uh, but I actually didn't hear about this. But in the original game, no matter how strong your character was, um, if you ran close enough to an enemy, um, they would basically chase you forever. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. really it was really I don't die, to, kill me. Well, <laughs> you, you just didn't you just didn't want to waste time, you know, getting into a battle and wiping them out or fleeing or whatever. So it was just kind of a nuisance. Um the other thing I'm wondering if they I, I assume they have to have looked at this was one of the main criticisms of the original was that the world map, not just the normal, you know, the area maps, but the world map was kind of hard to navigate, really constricted. Uh, and things like that. So I wonder I've how they that. I've heard there's been improvements on that too. I don't know like the specifics yeah, I have about to, it, but yeah, I have yeah, to imagine. Uh, yeah, I have yeah, to imagine I, they heard complaints there. So yeah, they, I hear that it's, it's, it's there's more clarity on where to go next, uh, and that like you know there's icons and whatnot helpful, you know, tools at your disposal now to say okay, that's where I go next. They're, they're, it's not like you have to memorize like the names of like oh you go to Shibuya next. It's like oh yeah, we're Shibuya again. It's like. Uh, so the original, I hear the original that. game kind of assumed you knew Japan or Tokyo's layout. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, wait, oh no. Um, Head to I the also... castle in you know in whatever region of the of the city and like, where yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah. I also hear that the soundtrack is still very much on point. I hear the soundtrack is still very strong in it, and that it's it, it, they've advertised it uh, this as well. Uh, they always had this uh, catchphrase in the Shin Megami Tensei Four final marketing campaign of like uh the english words this epic is not sweet um signifying you know it's, it's a very it's very it's a very bleak uh game and uh during development they actually had to like there were actually like you know uh, arguments uh behind the scenes of like we can't make it too you know it's like you know tragic or sad or whatever like yeah it has at least a spark of like hope for people you know yeah. in it so so that i guess they they had a happy compromise on that but it's, it's very much that they, first and foremost, it's it's not a, a very happy tale. You're not in there, you know, strolling in. No, like, I, I mean that seems pretty obvious. Oh. If you've seen like the trailers that they put out, it seems pretty uh, awful. But uh, uh, one of, I think one of the first things that happens in the game is your main character either dies or gets mortally wounded and gets in, you know, gets uh, possessed <laughs> by a ghost. That's it. <laughs> that's that's I mean, the crazy thing. It's I, actually I, th- I think it's even from his design too that the main character is somewhat reminiscent of the uh, demi fiend from. Shimagami Tensei Nocturne. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is from, you know, probably the most popular game in that mainline series. So it seems to be somewhat reminiscent of that, kind of. Like, it's got, like, kind of a weird attitude to it. Just Very cyberpunkish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very cyberpunkish. Um, and I think other than that, I've just, uh, yeah, just the praises for the soundtrack is apparently better than it ever, biz, uh, ever was. And they also announced DLC already for that game. Um, I think they announced, like, costumes and leveling DLC and stuff like yeah, that cheat dlc <laughs> yeah cheat dlc yeah. pretty much just like yeah the, the original game had some cheat dlc it had some costumes and stuff but it, it did end up having some like you know optional boss battles that were you know legitimately difficult so yeah the, those the, those the, 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 they kind of miffed me because because those uh optional like boss battles things did like uh, it, it would unlock the the ability to fuse them as well like uh, yeah so. They were kind of gated behind this DLC. Like you couldn't make that demon until you bought that DLC, and I, I, I still don't dig it. Like that aspect. Yeah, like I think we've dwelled on this a little bit. But for for example, like there's these four angel character uh, demons that are pretty popular SMT demons that are in like every game, um, Raphael and the other ones, um, and in in SMT four you had their DLC only type. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> So, 
Shin Megami Tensei 4 Final is already out in Japan as of February 10th. Uh, no localization announcement just yet. Atlas hasn't said anything. I don't know if it's because they're more focusing on Persona 5 coming out this summer, but um, we can hope. I'm sure a lot of fans are praying for that yeah. to happen. Oh, so yeah. Hopefully they bring the good news, make 2016 even better. Uh, so for the RPG fan, I should say. So um, on, then moving on to our last piece of news, uh, Tokyden 2. Uh, they finally put out some new information about that. All we had before from last TGS um, was a trailer. Now they've actually talked about more about what that game is. I mean, other than some like magazine scans and uh, interviews, they've gone into more depth about the open world aspect of that game, which to me who played those two games and reviewed them, it's kind of crazy that it's going open world, and I wonder how that'll be. I mean, it sounds like you'll still have like a, a, a hub that you can return to, a home base, as it were, uh, but the structure of the world is more, um, more, more insane, more open, and that you can go out and do different things, fight more enemies. It's not as restrictive as it was before, because in Tokiden 1 and Kiwami, which is just a remake with some more content added at, at, at the end of it, um, you pretty much had just that home base, and then you can go off to these different specific areas, kind of like Monster Hunter, of course, which is obviously it's going to be always compared to. Um, but this, it sounds like there's way more to do, and I'm kind of I'm kind of curious about that. I think the great thing about the Tokyo games in the past is that it kind of focused more on its story which I could not really get into Monster Hunter because it doesn't do much at all with story. And that's why I like, like the God Eater games and, and Tokiden is because they uh, are more about more of a, for a narrative-driven experience. And so they put out some more... And that, that also, and that like also that. you know, kind of just sets it apart from Monster Hunter. If it yeah. didn't have a story, it'd just be, you know, more of the same. Like, Monster Hunter is kind of intentionally, you know, like, just more of the exploration. So that kind of sets it apart. Yeah. Monster Hunter is about living a hard life, man. You're just a, <laughs> a, hum, a humble venture. You're just trying to get the, through by the day. It's like, how am I going to feed my family, my village? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Tokyo, Tokyo, uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. Tokiden is super bleak, like extremely bleak. You're in like this out. You're, you're basically in this outpost, this like last bastion of humanity, where all the demons are closing in, and you're trying to protect this place because that's uh, for the inevitable. Basically, and trying to fight back like all these demons coming after you. So it's. It's really bad. Um, and, they've, and they've said that this game, um, they haven't said it's a sequel outright, but they said it takes place in the same like, universe, same canon. So it's, not, it's actually yeah. not separated. Uh, I'm not sure how much you have to play the first one to understand the second one, you know, whatever. Yeah, but it's, they play it's, it. it's on PC already. Right. So, yeah, it's on PC. It's, you can get it probably cheap on PC or on PSN. Well, I don't know about cheap. Koei apparently likes to keep their prices on oh, really? a lot of the games. But, uh, Anyways, it's, 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 it's connected in some way. And yeah, so they finally came out with some screenshots of some of the characters the one character they showed in the trailer from tgs is actually uh, an english girl who somehow made her way to japan and ended up one of these demon slayers yeah these <laughs> um, she's the she's the blonde haired girl so if that wasn't obvious she wasn't from japan originally I think her name's gwen i believe uh, uh gwen yes, yes it's gwen yes yeah. and then there's okay. a couple other characters there's a doctor uh hakase and her little like puppet thing um, but in, so they've caught, caught a couple of the characters. One thing they've also noted: the original Tokiden had like demon part destruction, right? Yes. Where you could like chop off a tail or whatever. You have to chop it off and then suck <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah, stand around so, for like minutes. Just yeah, they've also said that that, that returns, but they, it sounds like they're going to be doing a little bit more with it in terms of like if you chop off a part of an enemy, how they start behaving and things like that. They'll they'll start, you know, maybe their abilities will be tweaked or you know might. 
be more reckless or who knows. See, but that's, that's important cool. because in the past with Tokiden, it's that you chopped off certain parts and they the what really only set it apart was that there was different forms for the for the boss characters for these for these demons and that's all you really got to experience out of that and it was always the same forms over and over it got extremely repetitive and so um, and that's what put off a lot of people from the games is because of that because you're basically doing the same thing over and over I kind of like the tedium at, at a point uh, but it was the story I came to so that they're doing that I think is the best way forward for that series they need to do more with the boss encounters otherwise people are going to be so not willing to even pay attention to how good the story is, which it is. I'm just interested in uh, how uh, big of the scope their, uh, this open world is going to be for this, because uh, to me it's still like crazy that it's uh, transitioning to be uh, a completely open world. So you know you're going to have like these crazy encounters, like the most unexpected creatures at uh, some environment. That's uh, like you'll you'll, you'll uh, encounter creatures that are like, oh man, I really shouldn't be in, uh, fighting this creature at this like you know like a canyon for example. It's like oh. Yeah, and, and the good thing is, at least, is that that's, this series, if it does one thing extremely well, it's its design. Like, the mm-hmm. character design, the monster design. If you look at screenshots for these games, even going back to the first one, they always look amazing. Uh, but, so, it, obviously, you have to concern yourself with, like, the quantity of the monster designs, like, how varied they are, yes, and how big that open world is. Is it going to be actual open and full of exploration, or are you just going to be kind of funneled into these like small cramped quarters these clearings and that's the only place you can really do battle in so i wonder how far they go with that so yeah but tokiden 2 uh they haven't announced a release date for that game we don't even know if it's coming out this year but i i would imagine so um but it's coming to the playstation 4 playstation 3 and the vita actually i think it is it was actually scheduled scheduled for this year wasn't it uh, i think was, was yeah, it i think localization no, no not yet not yet okay only japan okay. but yeah i really hope i think i think the website says 2016 so yeah it's probably this year yeah. <laughs> read our reviews for tokiden one and kwami on the site i highly recommend kwami that's it was a great game just held back by some repetition but uh, that's kind of what that type of genre is known for so you're kind of have to put up with that for a very good good story with a very long long game too so hmm. i think with that we're pretty much up with the news so um that's it for this week's uh news and uh we'll of course be continuing on with that every other week posting some news uh for you guys to experience and also check up all the other articles on our site rpgsite.net um but that should be it all right so and with that guys Thanks a lot for sticking with us for this latest edition of the TetraCast. Like we said at the top, uh, this is a whole new thing that we're doing. It's obviously still got a lot of the same sort of traditional uh, formatting, but we wanted to try something different, so I hope you guys like what we did. Uh, this is the full audio recording that we're going to put up. Um, you can check up on, once again, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash rpgsite.net. Not .net. It's youtube.com slash rpgsite.net. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you do one thing so long, and then all of a sudden you have to say something differently. It's more difficult. So, yeah, and then um, we'll be posting all the information that you can check out on our site, uh, rpgsite.net. Check us up on Twitter, at rpgsite, uh, facebook.com slash rpgsite.net. Uh, we're also uh-huh. on iTunes, so subscribe to us there. And finally, we want to talk about our Discord channel. A lot of people well, don't know what that is. Josh, of course, you're, I don't you're even talking know what about this it. Is. You're big on Discord, right? Okay, yeah. I'm starting to like this new service. Uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like an amalgamation between like an IRC and uh, a Skype. 
So uh, Discord is like this new service uh, that kind of it's very flexible. Uh, that like you have this uh, IRC chat type of chat room uh, that's very flexible. You can add uh, multiple text channels in that same server. And also, there's also a separate uh, voice channel as well, in which you can uh, have multiple voice channels uh, for like you know separate topics or multiplayer rooms and whatnot. But everyone's still like in the same server, still right there. Um, it's uh, it, it's quite sleek, Zach. I mean, you you've seen it. Uh, you know what it can do. Yeah, and it uh, it supports embedding, so you can post videos and images and other things, and it looks great. It's very modern, like you said, very sleek. And so definitely check us out. You can find it at tinyurl.com slash RPG site discord. That's yeah, RPG site D-I-S-C-O-R-D. So um, hit us up. We'll, of course, try to post that as much as we can on our Twitter, Twitter account um, so you don't have to remember that if you uh, want to visit us. It's our, it can get pretty busy at times, um, but also kind of dead. So we would love to see more of you guys um, uh, hang out with us on that. Uh, we're almost there, almost constantly throughout the day. At least me and Josh are. So um, we'd love to talk to you guys and get to know you more. Uh, but for that, thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the TetraCast. Thank you, Josh Torres. Thank you, Adam Vitale, for joining us uh, for this edition. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me. I'm Zach Reese, once again your host. Catch us next time on the next edition of the TetraCast. <laughs>